Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, Husker fans. Welcome to episode 240 of the Husker Football Fan Podcast. Our podcast is in man. It's 240. I'm Mike Harvett. Today we welcome back longtime friend of the podcast, Richard Branch, to discuss this year's matchup with Wisconsin. You can find us on the web at huskerpod.com or by searching Husker Football Fan Podcast on the Facebook. You can also connect with us on Twitter by following at huskerpod or email us at huskerpod at gmail.com. This episode is brought to you by Central Nebraska Buffalo. Check out their website for their latest deals, cnbuffalo.com. Also brought to you by Monty Rohde with Pinnacle Realty in Lincoln. Looking to buy or sell a home in Lincoln or know somebody who is? Reach out to Monty at 402-770-3356. We are delighted to have an old friend of the podcast back on to talk about Wisconsin. Richard Branch of the, the Buck Around, may it rest in peace, uh, is with us. Welcome. <laughs> welcome back to the show, Richard. I think I said the last time I was here, it lives on in spirit. So it, uh, it, it is ever present and uh, it is all knowing. Well, if, and you're still, tweeting, it, so. you're still tweeting yes. from that handle. So yeah, it still lives on there. It lives in our hearts. Yes. The snarkiness never goes away. My, yeah. uh, my uh, salty badger takes will exist forever. If people want to read them, they do exist on social media. This is very exciting to do this again. I have not done any form of this, I think, since you and I did it two years ago. So let's so, see how. So do you've it. been off off the air, so to speak, for two. This will be the third season. Or the I am season? like a yeah. It's like a fine wine, you know. You got to be careful when you break open that old vintage, you know. And here it is. Yeah, you know, we'll see if there's still some tannins in there or something. I think that's something to do with wine. I don't. I don't drink wine, so I don't wine know. and podcasts the tannins and make the podcast rich. Yes. Um, or something. No, the biggest change I have to say, and not to totally derail this at the beginning, because I already can tell I'm talking too much, is the Zoom thing. When, oh, yeah. When we did this, this was pre-COVID, you know, when Buckaround existed, pre-COVID, pre-Zoom, basically. Zoom existed, but nobody knew yeah, what, nobody used what it, Zoom yeah. was. And you'd be like, hey, Mr. Sports Writer Man, who's probably sort of early, mid-baby boomer, do you want to come on our podcast? We use this thing called Skype and we will call you over the internet. And they'd be like, the internet? <laughs> I use telephones. And now I imagine you never have to do that again. Like you can get I, anybody. For these summer interview series, I have used so many methods to record people. Really? In the, last, in the first like five, well, pre-COVID. Oh, so okay. many methods. Like I tried apps. I tried, you name it. I've tried. I, yeah. It's remarkable. Um, and since COVID, I just send a Zoom link. Yeah, and everybody knows what it is. It's everybody done. Knows what it is. It's great. You don't have to think about it. There's yeah. no. I talked a 63 year old man through installing Skype on his. Actually, I shouldn't say 63. He was probably 60. Um, and why I know his age, I don't know, but I'm very confident I know his age. Okay. I, won't, I won't. This person will remain nameless. Very nice person. How to install Skype on his computer when we first started out? 
And it was like a 45 minute process to then do a 20 minute interview about <laughs> a football team that I wasn't even that interested in learning about. And now looking back like that never would have to happen again. It'd be great. It'd be fantastic. Yeah. Well, you got out, you got out before things got easy. Well, <laughs> You had so much material to deal with in the last year. <laughs> oh, well, God. I'll tell you so what, happy I wasn't there for that. Foremost in my mind of material is what's with Wisconsin ducking Nebraska. Oh, let me tell you. Right so to it. Let's get to it. What a fun 2020. You know, all right. So this is a, I guess I'm assuming sort of your uh, cheeky lead into what is your take on 2020 Wisconsin? Fair enough, well, right? I'll tell you what, the football team and the volleyball team were like, oh, we're not able to play. Volleyball. So here's uh, what I find fascinating. Here's what I know about the football side of it, you know, just from what's sort of come out after the fact, because they, they're terrible with actually telling people anything. But it seems if you add it all up, read between the lines and the comments that Chris has had since um, – Everybody knew that Graham Mertz got COVID. That was when that game was supposed to be played, um, which I kind of was like, oh, that's a bummer, but somebody else will play. But what it turns out is it sounds like most of the offensive coaching staff at that point. Okay. <laughs> I think wow. that's why it, they little, they think from they figured, Graham Mertz. It, maybe, but they, they figured out, I think what happened is they realized they had no coaching staff to be there because Chris got it. Joe Rudolph, the offensive coordinator and the play caller, got it. It was kind of like, I think if Chris was sick for a game, it's going to be Joe Rudolph running the show, I think. But we can get into that later because there's some interesting developments about that for 2021. Mm. Um, and I'm trying to remember who else. Two of the other offensive guys got sick. I mean, they all got it. So they were all in quarantine. And I think so it was going to be like, are there going to be like graduate assistants and, and quality control guys? like calling plays and i think that's more backup quarterbacks and a third string quarterback was going to call the plays at the line of scrimmage it, it was well see that's part of the fun what makes it so that was one of the weirdest things i don't know if that was a specific reference to wisconsin but wisconsin spent two-thirds of the season uh with graham mertz unable to get signs from the sidelines because once the indiana game came the badgers thought people were stealing their play call, you know, that somebody knew how to steal their signs. So every single play he was running to the sideline to get the call and then running back to the, uh, to, to the huddle. So he was, he was definitely getting his steps in. (laughs) Um, but it's like high school football, but they couldn't figure. And what made it interesting, like, again, sort of going back to my original thing is what do you take from 2020? I don't take much of anything because if I was to sum up, what was 2020 Wisconsin? It was like a seven game spring game. That would be the way I describe it. Like, you know, from watching spring games, you like everybody watches a spring game and takes way too much from it. And then by midway through the second quarter, it's a lot of dudes who like only weirdos like us know, like the casual fan doesn't know who like the third string middle linebacker is. And you're like, Oh great. I'm going to get to see, you know, so-and-so, the uh, mid-three-star recruit they got two years ago who, you know, I think might be good. And the game just turns sloppy because nobody knows the playbook and they're kind of not doing anything. That's the way all of 2020 felt to me. It was totally disjointed and all over the place. And I think it was a combination of the offensive staff, COVID, a very young quarterback, 
then they lost their clearly two best receiver wide receivers. I should say their best receiver is their tight end, but their best wide receivers in Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor. So then they were playing a true freshman who jumped up the depth chart. This guy, Chimray DK, who I think is legit. And then a bunch of guys who did not know the playbook. So you had Mertz out there. I think the playbook got real skinny really quick and teams just started teeing off. Um, you know, and that was sort of that, that mid season slide they had where they could do I was going to say, I, I had to look back at the schedule because I really had no memory. And it's yeah. kind of like an ugly sandwich where we've got two yep. solid wins at the beginning and two solid wins at the end with three ugly losses, 17-7 to Northwestern, 14-6 uh, to Indiana, and uh, <laughs> 28-7 to Iowa. So <laughs> Wisconsin, mighty Wisconsin, averaged less than a touchdown a game yeah. offensively in, in those three losses. Well, they How had a lot of parts to that. They had, again, as I meant, all that fun stuff, I think, with a lot of coaching staff in and out. So I think the continuity wasn't there, especially when they discovered people were stealing their signs and then they had four games to figure it out and they never did. Like, that tells me a lot. So has there been like a, in, like a depth, in-depth report as to whether or not their signs were stolen or is that just like... That was that? something he said. That was something Paul Chris said after the... I don't know if it was in the post the post-game press conference of Indiana or the Monday press conference. But he said, yeah, no, our signs were getting stolen. And everybody just noticed halfway through the game, Mertz was running back and forth to the sideline. And I think their suspicion is they were stolen the week before. And people had just, they had a tell of some kind that got figured out. But the, I think the bigger red flag or not even red flag, like bigger, just throw this season away and don't whatever, like, whatever it was is what it was, was that they couldn't fix it. Like if that happened in a real season, it would have gotten fixed. You know, like I think at that point it was such a mess and they were all sick and guys are in and out of the, you know, the coaching room and players and coaches, the contact is so inconsistent. They kind of said, you know, whatever it's going to be is what it's going to be. And kind of just, got it across the finish line. But I mean, like you said, it was kind of a fun, kind of a, I mean, at least the season kind of ended in a fun way. The I mean, Minnesota nice. game was close. Um, 2017 was, and over 10. Yeah, it was an overtime game. And the Wake Forest game was insane and ridiculous, but at least it, I mean, it was, it was for a trophy for mayonnaise. I've never heard of Duke's mayonnaise. And then, and really, it really did sum up the season well. They broke the trophy yeah, in a locker great. room. Like, because <laughs> it was just, it, it kind of summed the season up well. And it was caught on camera and it was funny. We were waiting for Chris to get a mayonnaise bath instead of a Gatorade bath. Right. And it, it, like, it was just a joke. And it, everyone kind of laughed at it because you're like, oh, this season was ridiculous. Who cares? Like, it, it really didn't. Because, I mean, they beat a terrible Illinois team. Uh, RIP Nebraska did not even do so, you know, that's not nothing. Yeah. And that team was real bad. Um, and they beat a terrible Michigan team. And so then they finally kind of got it back together at the end. So that was nice, but it was an extended spring game. That's it. They, I mean, the only, the the real concrete takes I have from it, I think Jalen Berger will be a very good running back. Uh, he was kind of pressed into it because as a true freshman, he came in and the guys ahead of him, they've had some misses. Um, Nakia Watson was a guy who was taken a couple years ahead of him who just couldn't fall forward. I don't know what his story was, but just never, it never clicked. And um, Julius Davis is an in-state guy who is pretty heavily hyped who just has never shown up on the field yet. 
and who was taking carries behind a walk-on, which isn't a good sign. And then um, uh, Isaac Arendo was another running back that they thought kind of big things of. It was a guy who's bounced between wide receiver and running back who just can't stay healthy. The dude has hamstrings that just snap. I mean, <laughs> it's like rubber bands. And so he's just never been able to stay on the field who might be good, but they've missed on all these guys. And Jalen Berger came in as a true freshman. I mean, he had the recruiting pedigree. He was a big recruit uh, and he showed it. He just didn't have the ability to carry the ball as much as they'd like. Uh, it, but I think in 2021 with a year and actual strength and conditioning and an actual spring practice and, uh, um, you know, more contiguous fall practice and fall camp, he'll be a bit more integrated. And so we get to get to at least see the guy play some more. So a positive. Sure. Yeah. So what, what are the kind of strengths and weaknesses of this team at this point, assuming everybody's COVID free and the coaches are all able to do their job? Well, the conventional wisdom, I think amongst people, you know, who watch the program and are close to the program, I think the defense is going to be really, really, really good because it's turn returning so many players. I'm not as hot as others are on the defense. I think the defense is like a, has a pretty decently high floor, not a, not like elite level floor, but I think it's going to be a good defense. Um, certainly I think it'll be as good as last year's defense, but I think thinking it's going to be like a top five in the country defense, which is what a lot of people are saying. I think that may be pushing it a little bit. Um, they have question marks for me at safety. Um, it's, it's going to be Scott Nelson coming back. And then I guess the other starting safety is going to be Colin Wilder. Who's a guy that went to Houston transferred back to the Badgers as a, he's like a, he was like a, I think he was like a two, maybe a two and two guy. I think he was a walk on to us, to a scholarship. Who's as far, as far as like a safety goes, he's much more of like a run stopping safety. He's not, I'm not a huge fan of him in pass coverage. So I think you're hoping from the Badger perspective that somebody like Travian Blaylock, who's a guy who was a cornerback who converted to safety, can maybe step up a little bit. Or maybe a guy like Hunter Wohler, who's a true freshman coming in from in-state, who is, I think was a four-star in every service, but who seems legit. Um, or maybe a guy like Preston Zachman can kind of step up. Like they need somebody else to step up, I think, to be mm-hmm. in that mix. Cause right now there isn't a lot of depth there. And then the other part that I kind of wonder about is defensive line. Um, they have Matt Henningsen coming back at defensive end, who I think is a really, really good defensive end. He, I forget what he, I think he tore a bicep last year. It was, I know it was a muscle, but he was out out pretty quickly. He played a game or two. Don't quote me on the injury, but it was a, it was one that knocked him out for the season. Um, and he, uh, he was, I mean, he was a walk-on who did not play like a walk-on. This wasn't like, okay, you know, there's, there was a ton of recruiting misses and this guy percolates up. This was a guy that beat out scholarship players who were perfectly healthy and weren't, they are not bad players. Um, He's going to be back full strength. He's real solid. I think Isaiah Mullins, who's who's a guy who was sort of like the rotational guy, maybe like fourth, fifth guy, is coming back. He's okay. I don't know if I think he's – he definitely does not – I don't think has the ceiling that Henningsen does. 
guy, a guy named James Thompson was another one who got hurt last year, who I think will play a little bit in the rotation. But what I'm mostly interested in is I think, well, I know their best defensive lineman is their nose tackle. This guy, Keanu Benton. He is, he's a, I mean, he's a no joke. He is a disruptor double team guy who then will push through the double team and is K just, he's, he's a chaos agent and it's something they really haven't had on the defensive line at this level in a while. Um, the question is, can they get him in nickel packages? Because they haven't really had a nose tackle that has played in nickel packages a ton. I think he's athletic enough to, uh, it's just a question of, do they play a six foot four, 320 pound defensive end? I just don't know. I don't know if he can do it. I think he can, but I think it has a lot more to do with him understanding scheme than him having the physical tools. And then the other one is Bryson. Well, actually, you'd know that name, Bryson Williams. He's a guy from Lincoln. Yep. Um, he was a guy who started as a true freshman, but now he's, I mean, Keanu Benton has leapfrogged him oh, really? and basically made him a backup to him, hmm. but he is, you know, 290, 6'2", not quite the height they like on defensive end, but he could play end for them. And I wonder between um, Benton and Williams and Henningsen and, and Isaiah Mullins, if they can work those four into sort of the top end of the rotation, and then they're not so worried about what's happening with the rest of the defensive ends. Because I do think there's, there's some questions there. I mean, they did bring in a transfer from Oregon, this guy Isaac Townsend, um, who I don't think they're, well, maybe they are. I mean, I think in a pinch, they're looking for him to play this year, but I don't necessarily know that he's a, like a now guy as a transfer player. Um, like a lot of transfer, because he still has four years of eligibility. So I think if, if they're bringing him in, it, it tells you they don't have a ton of confidence in what's going on with the rest of them, but I could be wrong. You know, guys like uh, we, we heard a lot in the spring from players talking to media about this guy, Rodas Johnson being somebody who could really contribute, but he's a four-star defensive end, but just hasn't, hasn't been seen. Um, and then the only other part that I would worry about on the defensive side is inside linebacker. The top two guys are very good. Um, Leo Chanel and um, Jack Sanborn. I mean, basically played almost every snap last year. <laughs> And there's no one behind them that the linebacker coach, I think, really trusts. Supposedly, this guy, Mike Mascalunas, who's, I think, a sixth year. I can't remember if he's a guy who took an extra one or not. But he was supposedly, you know, he's right there with the other two, but he barely played any snaps last year. So you wonder if anything happens to either of them. The depth behind that is a, is a huge question mark. Um, but... Hmm. Corner is solid. I mean, they returned two guys. Caesar Williams is back for a sixth year. Fayon Hicks, I think, is a fifth-year player. Uh, but two seniors who are good players. I think given what Wisconsin can recruit a cornerback, I think it's unreasonable to expect anything much higher than that. Um, and then the question always becomes, who's the nickel? Well, it's really Fayon, but like, who's the third cornerback they're going to use there? And there may be some changes this year because they actually have a dedicated cornerbacks coach because what it, before it was uh, Jim Leonard as defensive coordinator and coaching the entire secondary. And really, if you could figure out his cornerback rotation, uh, I mean, you could write a book and make a lot of money because you never knew there was a guy who'd be what you'd think was their number one corner one week. And then two weeks later, he's just disappeared and doesn't play for four weeks. Mm. He had a really funny cornerback rotation. Um, 
and guys who've come in and out of it. So if you tell me the the third corner is going to be Darren Harrell, I believe you. If you told me the third corner is going to be a guy like Alexander Smith, I believe you. If you told me it's going to be Dante Burton, I believe you. I mean, there's so many players who have played and are around and then sort of cycle out. Um, I'm, I'm open to anyone uh, at this point. I mean, the, the good news is, is I think they have good bodies there, but I just don't know that they have guys that they have a real pecking order with but this guy hank poteet they brought in as a cornerbacks coach i'll be curious to see if he settles on a more stable rotation than what leonard did um Hmm. but on offense i think actually the badgers if things break right i think they have a chance to be a very very good offense um i think their offensive line will not be flashy but it would be very good. It's going to have one, two, three, four seniors on it. Um, Tyler Beach is a guy who's played a ton of snaps. He's played guard. He's played tackle. Um, In the spring, they stuck him at left tackle. They they actually basically set on a a, a top five in the spring, which they've never done before and Mm -hmm. haven't moved off it, which really is a good sign that they have what they think are legitimate bodies up there. Um, but right now it's going to be from left to right. looks like Tyler Beach, who's a senior, Josh Seltzner, who's another senior at left guard. Uh, he was a former walk on, but big dude who can play. Um, Caden Lyles is a four-star dude who actually played defensive line early in his career when they needed somebody and has moved back and is going to play center. Um, Logan Bruss at right tackle. And then to circle back one spot, the one that I think I'm most interested in is they have this redshirt freshman named Jack Nelson who every single player has talked about being like, this dude's going to be legit. He's going to be great. Um, He's very interesting to me because his dad was a badger and he's a guy who got offered early by Wisconsin um, was a four-star recruit and took the offer and then just shut it down. He was done. He didn't do Mm. any camps. He didn't do anything. And I think he's a guy who may turn out to have been, um, you know, if it works out, maybe it's one of those guys that because he shut it down so early, probably developed more than people knew. Um, but I think they the have, radar. yeah, like, but sort of not like he didn't, he was a four-star kid, but it was like an initial four-star. And then once he committed and he just stopped showing up at those camps and stopped doing anything, I think they just said, ah, I'm not going to bother with him anymore. Right. And he's a back burner kid for the recruiting services. So I'll be interested to see what happens, but I think their offensive line is very good. I think running back is going to be interesting and it's really going to come down to this transfer they brought in. They brought in a running back from Clemson, this guy, Chaz Maluzzi, who was a four-star back two years ago, who has played. It wasn't like he wasn't playing, but I guess he just wanted to play more. Okay. Because <laughs> um, he was averaging five and a half yards a carry with Clemson, not on a ton of carries. I mean, I think he had... 25 carries, but he's sitting behind some good players. Um, but he will be, uh, I think will be playing a fair amount. If I was to guess, I think he will be splitting time with Jalen Berger. Primary reason being, I don't think Jalen Berger has the faintest clue how to pass block in this, in this offense, which isn't a big deal because nobody does. Um, Jonathan Taylor, even though he started as a true freshman, basically came off the field on third down half the time. I mean, it was because of him, a guy that Badger fans would know, Garrett Groshek had a career. I mean, it, he was a guy that just learned how to pass protect and 
that was sort of his focus while Jonathan Taylor was the running back. And it gave, I mean, there's been plenty of guys like that in Wisconsin who've had third down careers kind of under the radar. And I think Chaz Malusi will be a running back who can also be the third down guy. Um, so I think between the two of them, they can be pretty solid. If they need a third back, that's where they're going to be sort of looking around. They have four guys coming in as running backs uh, in this recruiting class. The big headliner one is this guy, Braylon Allen, who's an in-state guy who basically just makes weightlifting videos and puts them on Twitter all day and squats like big numbers that don't mean anything to me. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot of weight. It's like 600 pounds or something. I don't know. But he's got legs the size of my torso and he's 17. Um, so he's this big monstrous 248 pound kid that is going to start as a running back, but I still think is going to end up somewhere on defense. Honestly, I think he'd be better served on defense. It would be better served to the team because they'll find a running back. And then uh, three other guys that somebody's going to shake out from, and then the other two are going to find other positions or probably transfer type of thing. Mm -hmm. But they need, they need another guy to shake out uh, hmm. from that. And that could be a guy like I mentioned earlier, Julius Davis, or it could be a guy like Isaac Arendo who finally avoids the injuries, but they need one more body in there to, to percolate up. But I think the running backs will be pretty good. Um, the biggest, I think, sort of coup on offense in the offseason was they got both Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor to come back for one more year. They're both guys who had burned up eligibility, you know, mm -hmm. normally mm -hmm. and came back. Pryor's doing a sixth season. Danny Davis is doing a fifth because he never redshirted. But they're legit. I mean, they're really good wide receivers uh, if they can just stay healthy, which has yeah. been the story the last couple of years. Last year, the, last year, they both got weird concussions and just couldn't come back from it. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like if you have those two and then Chimray DK, who's going to be a sophomore, that's a really, especially for Wisconsin, that's a big top three because they can stretch defenses. They can actually get a little pressure off the running game. Um and you combine those guys with the, the guy who I think right now is the best player on offense, which is Jake Ferguson, the tight end. They can actually throw the ball around. They have a quarterback who's got a big arm. Um, he's got in grammar. has got to learn to be a better quarterback and it can't just be going 20 for 21 against Illinois. And then kind of, you know, laying a stinker for weeks. And uh, after that, like, you're not going to live on that for very long, but I think, I think he's, a pretty, I think he's, he's going to be a pretty good quarterback. I think he's better than anyone they've had in a while. And I think, I think it's very telling um, this off season, you know, for people who don't know, Jack Cohen was a starter for, uh, was a starter in 2019, got hurt. Graham Mertz got the job in 20 because of Jack's injury. It became pretty clear that Jack could probably play towards the latter half of last season, but they just didn't play him. And then he walked and he's now in Notre Dame. I think he's going to start for Notre Dame, who the Badgers are playing in September. Oh, yeah. um, and it's very telling that they basically just let him go. Because uh, mm -hmm. the guy completed almost 70% of his passes two years ago. He was, he's very, and it, he's a very Wisconsin quarterback. He was a very boring, you know, he's very accurate. He's going to make the intermediate throw to the short throw. Did not have a big arm. He's not going to win a game on his own. Um, and I think, I think they really just said for once, it's interesting. They went with the high, I think they leaned into the higher variance guy in Mertz, which is let's see if, you know, you know, there might be more here than what we can get. It might be the, the, 
the the riskier you know mm. avenue of of going higher forward. risk high reward you got it that's exactly it so it'll be interesting to see with receivers and a tight end and a quarterback who maybe puts it together a little bit if they can have an offense that's a little more uh not balanced but can basically complement itself i mean if they have a running game they can complement the pass game and vice versa it will it will do something for them um, and what happens if uh, Grand Mertz goes down? Then it's Chase Wolf who can run because that's what they used him for last year. Uh, and he's really, honestly, someone who looks a lot more like a lot of Wisconsin quarterbacks you've seen in the past. Yep. Um, I think he's got maybe 10 passes in his career. Oh, wow. I think he's thrown 10. He has 10 attempts, I think, in his career. So there's a pretty steep drop off there. Oh, huge. Um he had to play last year. I'm trying to think. He played in two one game. They used him in the bowl game on a series, basically almost as a quasi wildcat quarterback type of thing. He was basically a wildcat quarterback who could throw. You know, like it wasn't like just putting Ricky Williams back there with the Dolphins and he's not going to throw the ball. It was, you know, give the guy will run plays that are more or less designed runs, but if we have to, we can let him throw. But I think he threw two picks and eight pass attempts. <laughs> So there is a drop. And then after him, it's a walk-on, Danny Vandenboom. Um, oh, that's who was going to start if Wisconsin was going right. to play Nebraska. I that was going to be it. Yeah. Um, who I have seen play, and I wish Danny all the best. <laughs> I'm, uh, I mean, he's not going to play. Okay. I'm, uh, well, that's one of the reasons we were so excited to play you guys last year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, looking at, uh, I'm looking at the schedule, and – you already alluded to one interesting home game. I mean, the first four games, uh, you host Penn State, yep. Eastern Michigan, you yep. host Notre Dame, you host Michigan. Uh, yep. That's, that's quite the stretch. And then you get, you get, you go to Illinois, you go to Purdue, but you get Iowa at home, you get Northwestern at home, you get North Nebraska at home. So really the only like tough conference game is you potentially the season ender at, at Mich- uh, Minnesota. I mean, that's a very favorable schedule other than the fact that you got Penn state at number one. Well, I think, I think the tone of the season is set before October 1st because it's Penn state and Notre Dame uh, bookending Eastern Michigan in a bye week So if Mm -hmm. they find a way, if they beat Penn state and they're favored in every game at this point, it's a very interesting season. I think that, I think, I I don't think they are an underdog in any game this year as of right now. Um, I, I don't know. It's an interesting year. I do. I, I feel like they're going to drop at least a couple. Um, I just have that feeling. I, I feel, as I said, I think people are reading a little too much into the defense. Um, they don't have a kicker at all. No, really? Which some people will argue is good because if Chris doesn't have a kicker, it forces them to actually make logical fourth down decisions and not try to kick. 52 yard field goals on fourth and four. Like it, it, he is a very conservative coach. And if you take away that security blanket, I think there is something to be said for that, that it actually sort of like pushes him to do smarter things. Um, But I just feel like there are opportunities for this team to drop games. I do. I do think there are questions. Um, As I said, you know, I, I feel like you got, you have the questions at middle linebacker. I even didn't, I didn't even mention outside linebacker, but they started a true freshman last year, Nick Herbig, 
at outside who was quite clear pretty quickly had no, like he understood about 30% of what's going on, but he just played hard and fast. And sometimes it really worked because he's a legitimate, <laughs> great athletic kid. And then sometimes it ended spectacularly awfully because he had no idea what gap he was supposed to be. in. Mm. <laughs> but um, there are questions, you know, still out there. Like, does that guy make a jump? They need, they need a defense. That's going to get some sacks. Um, they got to get to the quarterback and get teams off schedule. Cause they just didn't do that last year, even though the defense wasn't bad. Um, they didn't really get them off schedule. And again, they're going to have to get some pressure because I don't think the safeties are superstars, but I'm, you know, if you get through Penn state, Notre Dame, do you know what Michigan's going to be? I mean, Michigan was a disaster last year, but maybe they had the same issues Wisconsin did. I, 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 for all these teams, I don't, I don't know what to read into it. You know, Bielam a year one. I don't know. I don't think it's, I don't think there's going to be much there in year one. Um, I mean, army could be a pain in the neck. Yeah. I didn't even mention that one. Uh, and it's a weird non-conference game in the middle of the year, which is kind of unfortunate. I mean, maybe I'm going to go watch and play Rutgers because that's close to me. <laughs> Might as well. And, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to make of Purdue. Iowa's, as you said, Iowa's at home. And I don't know what Nebraska or Minnesota is going to be this year. Or actually, you know what? I don't know what the last three are going to be. I don't know what yeah. Northwestern's going to be. I don't know what Nebraska's going to be. And I don't know what Minnesota's going to be. With as much as there's all these super seniors coming back across the country, there's still there's so many question marks here, uh, especially in the Big Ten West. I'm looking at FPI right now, and uh, Notre Dame is favored in, in FPI, but everything else um, – Wisconsin's favored by uh, 54% against Penn State, so that one's close. It's close. Um, That's a toss-up. But there's not everything else is in the 60s. So, yeah. Uh, so you got to – do you want to make a prediction for – On the season? Yeah. Um, I'm going to say 10 and 2. Oh, well, okay. I, I think that's where they end up. I mean, it's a good season. And it probably wins the West, but I think it's 10 and two. Uh, it, it's a funny team. As you just mentioned with the super seniors, I think they have 92 scholarship players this year. Wow. So it's, it's funny. Like they have more scholarship running backs than they do scholarship safeties. It's very strange because like, of just the way things break out. Yeah. Or I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, in scholarship, they have so many outside linebackers. It's kind of ridiculous. Oh, You're like, wow. why? One, two, three, four. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. One of them's a walk on. They have eleven scholarship outside linebackers, and you're like, uh, ten. Sorry, That's yeah, your, there's your special teams units right there. There's ten. There's ten scholarship outside linebackers, but yeah, wow. it's kind of crazy. And two of the the two walk ons play on special teams, <laughs> so it's like, it's it's really interesting to look at because you're like, where are all these guys going to play, and how much are they going to play, and it's hard to predict. Yeah. With each of these summer's episodes, I've been uh, sharing a question from our, our friends at the eyes on big podcasts. One of them was just offensive depth, which I feel like you went through pretty well, but this is something we haven't touched on at all. What do you think is the effect, if any, on losing Barry Alvarez? Does that affect the program this year at all? I mean, no? this year, no, I don't think it does anything this year. Okay. Longer term. Sure. I mean, what's an athletic director's job? They only have two things they really do. 
One, they hire football coaches. doesn't matter if you're bad at hiring basketball coaches or hockey coaches or soccer. Co- you could be bad at all of those. But if you hire two good football coaches, you're there. You're, they're mm-hmm. never going to fire you. Mm-hmm. And two, you have to raise money. Mm-hmm. That's where Barry Alvarez was really, really good. I mean, he did okay in the cut. I mean, he was two out of three on hiring football coaches. Yeah. I think people would argue. One. Yeah. I mean, and still Gary Anderson as the quote unquote bad coach still won nine games twice. It wasn't like they were a disaster. It's just, they hated each other. <laughs> um, and he hired Gary him and Anderson, then he pulled a uh, arrested yeah. development. I've made a huge mistake. Yeah. Well, Gary Anderson also seemed to have some sort of breakdown when he was at Oregon, so Oregon state. So I don't know what happened there, but seems to be a peculiar fella. He does strike me as a tad odd, but um the big question is, can they still be a big money, you know, do they bring the money in? Are they a big money program? And I think that is going to have less and less to do with the athletic director and more and more to do with whatever's going to happen with conferences and TV. And sure. Yeah. I mean, I really think that's what it is, but I I think they will be, are you going to see something? Are they going to lose a game this year because Barry Alvarez isn't there? No. I mean, who knows what Chris McIntosh is going to be? We'll see. Because uh, the guy they brought in was a guy who was an offensive lineman on his first Rose Bowl team. Mm. So Wisconsin is very, it, it, you see it with the coaching staff because Christ, Rudolph, Leonard, uh, Mickey Turner, uh, who am I? Ross Kalaji. I don't know any of these names. These are all, these are all the coaching staff. Sorry. I'm at oh. five guys on the just coaching making staff. up ridiculous sounding names. At this yeah. Point. Well, they're very Wisconsin names. I mean, like names like Ross Kalaji. Yeah. They're all Wisconsin alums. Gotcha. Um, so there is very much inbreeding mm-hmm. in the Wisconsin. Like it's very cloistered, right? It's a very shut off. You're, you're preserving the, the, you know, the Royal bloodline, so to speak, you're keeping it pure. <laughs> I think is some of their logic. And most of the GAs are Wisconsin guys. Like when you see them, you're like, Oh Yeah. There's Micah Kapoy, who was like the sixth offensive lineman for three years. And there's, I mean, they just brought Manasa Garner back, I think is who was coming back. Who's this guy? If you're a bad, he's like on the B-side deep cuts of Badger player names. If you ever play the name game, if people are like, oh, good call, Manasa Garner. Like one of these guys, <laughs> like they all just come back. So. You're going to go talk to your friends and be like, I was on this Nebraska podcast and I made up all these names. <laughs> no, right and now. he was I'll, just like, oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. No, right now there's like three Wisconsin listeners are like, wait a minute, Manasa Garner. <laughs> he played defensive end for a day because Bielema hated him. Um, <laughs> yeah, he made him a defensive end because he was mad. Uh, what do you think about Bielema at uh, Illinois? Sure. Why not? I, I don't. There, the vast majority of the Wisconsin fans have a dislike of Brett Bielema. They Why? never liked him. He was always cocky. Yeah. And he was never one of theirs, I think. It just, he never felt like, you know, whatever. And he was kind of, you know, I mean, the cards said go for two, which is, it was always fun to listen to him say those things. Like when that, I mean, when he just ran the scripts, he and Tim Brewster hated each other when Tim Brewster was at Minnesota. And um, he was, he was just funny that way. And then when he left, he definitely aired some dirty laundry. I think he did Wisconsin fans a favor, Hmm. quite frankly, when he's, you know, he was talking about coach salaries. And I think it did at least make them confront the issue because they certainly started paying better. I don't think that's as big a deal as people make it out to be, but 
you know, it did change some things there. But I think Bielema, I don't think Bielema is a bad coach, but I don't think he's a great coach either. Like he's a guy, you know, it'll be interesting to see, can he build a program? Cause he couldn't at Arkansas. I mean, that thing, it yeah. fell off. I mean, it, and he, had, and he had the Alvarez blueprint at Wisconsin, right? Well, he, he didn't, I mean, he was a defensive coordinator and had been on the staff for three. I don't remember how people will remember better than me. I can't remember now, but several years, Barry handpicked him and said, this is my successor, which ruffled a bunch of feathers because they didn't have an official coaching search. And so he just transitioned into the job and inherited a very good team. I mean, he lost, I think one game in his first two seasons. And then he had uh, the, the year they just fell apart <laughs> when they went seven and five and then got toasted by Florida state in the uh, whatever bowl that was one of Bowden's last games. And um he built it back up and he went to Roosevelt's. I mean, he was a very successful coach, but I think, I think when you talk about Wisconsin, I think what Wisconsin has, it has, all, it seems to have a lot of infrastructure and I don't know how to, I don't have a better word for it, but it has a lot of stuff around it to make it sort of like, you know, just keep, you know, check the oil and uh, you know, every 3000 miles, get that oil changed and put some new tires on and rotate it. And it's like a Subaru. It'll just keep going, you know, or pick whatever car company you want that it just won't. Yes. A camera. That's a great example of it. It's a little sexier than a camera, a little cooler than a camera. I was going to say less sexy, but okay. (laughs) I mean, a camera. Oof. I mean, they got fun outside linebackers. But, uh, but, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, when we can all own cameras, but none of us are going to claim like check out our sweet all right. ride. All right, all right. But you got the idea, and I think yeah. when he left, I don't know that he realized what he lost when he went to a place like Arkansas, which did not have a camera. You know, Arkansas had a souped-up pickup that you know had like you know parts of the body were different colors because it was just still the primer paint and you know there was a lot of homemade repairs in there and he's like this car will go fast but he didn't realize if he goes fast the wheels fall off i'm really i'm really stretching this analogy and which was speaking of uh uh random wisconsin players which was the one the quarterback that had the yips joe stave oh stave i just i've been thinking about him with like simone biles and the twisties that's been it, that's a not a bad example, but I don't think he ever. Yeah, he recorded the. Uh, well, you know what you could do. Here's for your listeners: if you have a listener who's very technologically adept, you need to find Joel Stave's brother's old. Uh, uh, rec- he put like he was a he put music out like he was like a singer songwriter type, and there were videos of Joel silently playing the bongos in the background of one of his songs. He covered some song, and it was like it's that is the true like I don't know what it is, but if you could, that's the holy grail of Badger Digital Media. If somebody out there can find that for me, because nobody can find it. it; doesn't exist anymore. But it's probably on some like Wayback Machine. Wayback, yeah, I was gonna, yeah, yeah. couldn't find it. The on truth there. is out there. It has to be because yeah. I need it. Like I need it. I uh, bring back a website just to host that. Rich, I, I feel like I could talk to you for a really long time, but I have to go like do the dishes and be a responsible do the dishes. Uh, husband and father. So it's this has been super fun to talk to you again. Uh, it's been a while and glad to reconnect here. You uh, still are tweeting at Buck Around. And underscore around. Buck underscore. Buck around. underscore around. That's a crucial yeah, yeah bit of the handle buck around I mean, is just some guy in toronto 
I think still, I don't know if he still got the, uh, got the handle, but it was just some guy and people started fa- following him in the beginning. And it's like, why are you asking me about, uh, all these crazy stuff? Northern wow. somebody else knew got it. Sorry. You made me look it up. Remember since January, 2019, I should have gone and grabbed it. Shoot. Well, some guy in Saskatchewan in Moose Jaw has it. So do you have anything to plug since you don't have a podcast to plug? Um, no, man, I'm living my good life. <laughs> you can Venmo Rich at. Yeah, there you go. Uh, check out my SoundCloud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Well, hey, uh, let's do this hey, again Justin. sometime. Um, you know, I bet I know when it'll be. It'll be about this time next year. Yeah, I hope so. If Maybe sooner. If yes. Wisconsin goes to the, the uh, Rose Bowl or the National Championship game, we could talk again. That'd be well, cool. you know, I just so if anyone who listens that used to listen to the Buckaround is there, that is we still have that as an open promise. If the Badgers make the playoffs, there will be an episode of the Buckaround. OK, like it will, something it will arise like a phoenix from the ashes, like some giant ancient monolith from the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. Comes up and then you get 50 minutes of our jack wagonery, for lack of a better term. You know, I, I've just been thinking as we've been talking, there's so much like uh, Iowa and Nebraska fans really just don't care for each other that much. And I feel like Wisconsin has beat us worse, more consistently. And we just don't, I don't, I mean, I did, it's kind of a party town and like you don't feel safe when you go to the games allegedly, but I have nothing but like fondness for Wisconsin fans. I, th- I don't know. It, I don't know what it is, but like, maybe, I don't really. And Alvarez, of course, being a Nebraska guy, I mean, there's maybe a sense that they're doing things the way we used to do it. And so there's a respect there. I'm not sure, but we don't share a border. You know what? I know Nebraska fans don't like to hear this, but I think I know he always, well, I know what he says publicly, but I personally believe way more of what, Alvarez took as a blueprint came from Hayden Fry. Oh yeah. Yeah, I do. I, not in terms. Of, I think, cause that's where he really cut his teeth as a coach. Huh. Right. I mean, where did he coach before Wisconsin? It was Iowa and Notre Dame. I mean, that's how he got the Wisconsin job was because he was a defensive coordinator on those great Notre Dame teams. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, he always talks about, yeah, the Nebraska blueprint of the walk-ons and the, this and the, that, um, but I think a lot of how he ran a program and how he thought of like how he, a lot of what he took is Hayden Fry stuff because he worked for him for a long time. So he had to take a lot there. I don't think that should be sold. That should be undersold for him. I don't know what he says about that, but I'm not the, believe me, if someone wants to ask Barry Alvarez a question, just hold out a microphone and he'll come charging. Cause it <laughs> means he gets to talk. He will like, it's like running of the bulls. <laughs> If he could tell you, if he could, if he could share his importance with you, he will come. <laughs> I mean, all right. Well, nobody I'm, is more impressed with Barry Alvarez's success. Than Barry, than Barry Alvarez. Alvarez. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Well, hey, thanks again. And, it's been fun. Uh, look forward to interacting with you on the Twitters. Indeed. All right, sir. Great Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Mr. Branch for joining us on the podcast. As always, you can connect with our guests by following the links found in our show notes. In this case, both links are going to be on Twitter at Buck underscore around or at Richard underscore branch. 
It's always great to have Richard on the podcast. Um, he's one of my favorite guests, so hopefully you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. With that being said, if you do enjoy our podcast, we do encourage you supporting our sponsors, Central Nebraska Buffalo and Monty Rody with Pinnacle Realty in Lincoln. On behalf of Justin, this is Mike saying, Go Big Red! Husker Football Fan Podcast is an unofficial, non-commercial podcast and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. The views expressed on this podcast belong solely to the individuals expressing them. The Husker Football Fan Podcast is not endorsed by or affiliated with the Nebraska Cornhuskers or the University of Nebraska.